This is the Retail Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Place the item in the bagging area. We're on that third mega trend where consumers have really have taken over the shopping channel because now they're walking into stores a lot more informed. For a lot of brands, especially digital natives, they want to test and see what's working first and then make some educated decisions. We don't hide from the fact that retail is difficult. You know, every day is a challenge, but that excites the customers. They love that. We've got fresh inventory and the doors are open. Welcome to another Convex Conversation. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today it's my pleasure to have another conversation with my friend, Jackie Werblow, the CEO and head coach of Convex Leadership. Jackie, how are you today? I'm great, Sean. How about you? You know, I'm doing really well. It looks like winter is finally here for us in the in the DFW area, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah, we'll get to enjoy about four to ten days while our friends in the East Coast get to enjoy four to five months. Yeah. Well, you know, we I, I like to do everything in moderation, so I don't want to overdo the cold. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, talking about moderation, uh, that kind of leads me into what I want to talk to you about today, and that is resiliency in coaching. Um, You know, you mentioned that that the East Coast gets to go through four or five months of of winter uh, with varying degrees of harshness, but it is a constant sort of repetitive drumbeat in that portion of the of the country whereas uh, in the, in the southwest or here in here in Dallas the area that we live in we have rapid swings and i think sometimes it can be just as difficult to deal with the rapid swings in in temperature or in your fortunes in the business world than it can be if you're dealing with the constant stress of you know one specific challenge but all of those things have one thing in common and that is they all help build resiliency. You're right, Sean. And, you know, many people ask, well, what is this thing called resiliency? And I like to describe it as the ability to bounce forward, not backward, but forward to overcome day-to-day challenges and the big challenges, obstacles, and to keep trying and keep trudging through the snow if you're on the East Coast, but to keep trying even when the possible seems difficult to achieve. You know, you mentioned a, an interesting concept, and that is the bounce forward. I I find myself feeling a little more psychologically well when I take solace from my successes as well as inspiration from my challenges. Resiliency is not just a positive response to negative challenges. It can also be giving yourself the grace to acknowledge that, hey, something went well in this last effort, and you take that positivity with you to help bounce forward to the next attempt. You know, absolutely. And, and let's talk about the success and failure rate of some of the great people we admire. You know, if you're a baseball fan, when the player gets up in the first inning and they, you know, swing a great hit, first crack of the bat, and it's a, it's a home run. By the fourth inning, when that player is up again, they have to go through an entire cycle of enjoying that momentary celebration, but facing the next challenge. And at that next time, they may miss the ball altogether. 
And if they do, you know, they've had a 50-50 two-inning outing. So 50% is okay to celebrate when you're a baseball player. In fact, 30% is great to celebrate as a baseball player. But maybe not for those of us who are in the workaday world every day. Yeah, I find that it's uh, it's okay to dwell on both the negatives of a challenge, but the positives of, positives of your success. But dwelling on doesn't mean you live in that space. It means you, as you mentioned, you bounce forward. You take what you can and what is valuable from that experience, whether it's the positives or the negatives, and then you put those in your toolkit and you move on, as you mentioned, to the next at bat. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, we if you have a, a Dyson vacuum cleaner, I do have one of those. Love it very much. Well, you have seen the 5,127th prototype that Sir James Dyson created because he had 5,126 that failed. It seems to be great successes. Very rarely do we look back at all of the attempts that happened before that success. You know, they mentioned that great quote that I've heard you mention before about Thomas Edison's uh, inventing the light bulb. And it was on, I think the story is like his 10,000th try. And he said, I didn't discover just one way to make a light bulb. I discovered 9,999 ways to not make a light bulb. Right. Exactly. You know, many of my clients, when we sit down and we begin coaching, they ask me, why do some people have more ability to cope than others? And there isn't a limited supply of resilience. We're we're each born with deep reservoirs. Um, And if we weren't, then, you know, think about this. Only some babies would have the ability to stand. Fewer still would learn to walk and run. So resilience starts in our formative years. And we have the opportunity to build it as we go along. And yet sometimes things get in our way, a loss of confidence, a lack of support at work, you know, a tough relationship with a boss, um, failures that we experience and we don't look at as um, opportunities to learn. Those things erode or bury our resilience. And yet through coaching, Through effective relationships, we can uncover and grow our ability to bounce forward every day. It almost seems like resiliency is not only giving yourself permission to fail, and it's okay, Mm -hmm. but you're really giving yourself permission to succeed, too. You have to choose to succeed in, in some instances, because sometimes the biggest obstacle to that strength or to that resiliency is in our own heads. We do it to ourselves. We absolutely can be our own worst enemies at times, and we can get in our way and prevent ourselves from doing the bounce forward. You know, Sean, I've got a story about, uh, we'll call this leader Jennifer. And Jennifer wanted nothing more than to be promoted to vice president. She felt she had earned that title by much of the work she had done in the past. 
and to her it meant she arrived. So rather than going out and looking for a new job and new challenges, she really truly went into the job market to look for the title of vice president and took the first one that came along. And shortly after finding that new job, the reality of the work hit her squarely in the face. She was new to the company, had no internal support system built, and hadn't done a good enough job at the look at the kind of culture she was entering. And it was a bit of a toxic culture where there was an unspoken mission to expose the flaws of newcomers, to really put them in the frying pan from day one. And survival mode was uh, far more an operation than a team approach. It was a true dog-eat-dog environment. New initiatives were met with best passive resistance and at worst sabotaging efforts from colleagues. Within her first year, none of her initiatives met with any success. And soon after, even Jennifer started hearing the whispers that people were questioning her capabilities to survive, not necessarily her ability to do the job, but her ability to survive the environment. Now, unaccustomed to being less than successful, a bit naive about the environment into which she had stepped, she quit her job. And then she went to a much lower role with a competitor at a bargain rate of pay because she didn't know how to bounce forward from what she thought of as a failure. So she retreated into the past rather than looking at the future. And yet, eventually, she sought some help, some coaching, to figure out how to uncover her buried resilience. As she put it, Jennifer needed to recover her mojo. Now, she and I spent a great deal of time exploring how she could view herself as successful, even from the failure she perceived she had, take her learnings, and create her future. And the steps that I'm about to describe are really from the work that we did together and are some of her own words. In the first step, in order to build resilience, you have to accept that everyone has successes and failures. Anyone that says they have had no failures in life is kidding you. But only Jennifer herself could decide to accept that there are successes and there are failures and let it go and move on. As we coached, she came to recognize that nothing's perfect. Things will go wrong. Every experience creates learning is fundamental. And we need to accept that learn from your mistakes is a quote that has survived the test of time. And for good reason. Absolutely. Um, She needed to build a bigger swing in her own life of how she approached work. And in order to do that, the next thing that had to come to build resilience was to believe in herself. Now, we've talked about self-efficacy before and the fact that whether you think you can or think you can't, you could be right. 
in the case of resilience, you need to believe in yourself and allow others to follow your belief. You know, armchair quarterbacks aren't in the game. Ignore their negative words. Individuals or people we know who seek only to criticize will drain our resilience. And so those individuals need to be avoided while the support system we build are people that want to believe in us as well. And truly, mental toughness comes from refusing to give negative thoughts room to survive. Henry, you know, I love my quotes from long ago. Absolutely. Henry Newman was a British clergyman in the 1800s, and he said, nothing would be done at all if one waited until one could do it so well that no one else could find fault with it. I think that sums up why if you believe in yourself and you take actions, others will follow. The third step in building that resilience is to be openly optimistic. Sometimes even faking it until you make it. Even when you feel a bit pessimistic, don't show it. People sense whether you're optimistic about yourself, your career, your business, your own success, your capability. And they also can sense if you're pessimistic about it. So being openly optimistic, even being a little more optimistic than that inner voice might have you believe, is really important. Well, you know, you talk about sayings. One of my favorite sayings is, at the end of the journey, the pessimist may be proven correct, but the optimist had a better time on the trip. Oh, wow. I like that, Sean. That's great. And that's exactly what this is. Being optimistic, enjoying what you see and what you're doing, and it will build on itself. We all know people who are a bit of, woe is me, and then we know people who every time you ask them how they are, they will say fantastic. That person who says fantastic may have an inner voice saying, eh, maybe not today. But they're going to say they're fantastic because they know if they believe it, good things will happen to them. The next step really is letting others in to help. This fourth step can only occur if you accept that you're going to have success and failure. Fundamentally, you have a belief in your own capabilities or you're expanding your capabilities. You're openly optimistic, and then you can let others in to help. Building and relying on a team of respected colleagues and friends with whom you can share the successes and the less successful days. And accepting that their feedback is a gift. We've all heard that feedback is a great gift. Well, it is when you take it from individuals who fundamentally support you. Because then you can incorporate their wisdom into your thinking. And you can learn from them how they cope with their own adversity and how they've built mental toughness. 
They'll also help you understand what your gaps are so that you can decide to invest in yourself, build your competencies and your work skills. And you know, if we were sports players, we'd have a, a number of coaches in our lives. You know, the, the wide receiver with a 36% catch rate wants to get up to a 70% rate. He'll keep working with his coaches and incorporate their recommendations into his work while he's also working with a sports psychologist, perhaps a, a, another coach on how to be more visible and present. You know, the young slugger who may have a uh, oh, 175 um, earned run average is going to, or batting average rather, is going to have a mentor in the older team captain. If we had a pitcher with a 175 earned run average, they're at the top of the game. But the only true momentary failure that any of us can experience is if we fail to ask and receive graciously help. The most successful people ask others for assistance. And so if we fail to really accept that support or refuse to listen, then that's going to drain our personal reservoir of resilience. Yeah, and that the weird thing about that is failure in a lot of instances, is an active choice that we personally make for ourselves. You can't fail if you keep trying. Well, I think that I'd say if you keep trying, you may still have some failures. And yet your odds of creating the greater success increase with every try you make. You know, the final point in our list of how to build resilience is the windshield is bigger for a reason. Moving forward, not dwelling on the past, provides a far more interesting view than looking back through the smaller rearview mirror. It's our choice what we do. Do we dwell on the past or do we build our own future? And think again about Sir Dyson or Thomas Edison, each of whom kept creating prototypes, even though they had a whole lot of these in the rearview mirror. So those were Jennifer's five big learnings from coachings, and she's bounced forward big time. She's had a series of career steps since her resilience rebounded. And today she's the chief executive officer. And what she has brought to the table at her company is the fundamental belief that people are allowed to take calculated risks, learn from failure, and support each other in good and tough times. Her business is booming. She's built a team that embraces the culture of resilience and a culture of growth. And when things don't go exactly as anticipated, they don't explore the why did it happen. They explore the what can we do and learn from what has happened. You know, in having these conversations, we have, we have built a little more 
on top of the foundation every time I have a chance to, to have a conversation with you. And it's almost as if we started a workout routine. Like mm-hmm. everything that we have talked about is almost like it's it's a way to build that inner strength. Resiliency to me seems like a muscle. It truly is, Sean. And you're right. We've been building, um, you know, a, a system of muscles um, around creating focus and clarity in one's uh, career and in one's personal life. You know, we started with uh, defining the process of coaching in our first podcast. And then we moved along to some good leadership stories of people who have been successful in everyday life um, because they truly embraced the concept of servant leadership and of people first. And then we moved along to what happens when you lose your faith in yourself or self-efficacy? And how do you rebuild the fundamental belief in your own capability? And now today we've moved to that next piece of the whole muscle system, system of muscles, which is resilience and bouncing forward whenever, you know, we're faced with um, missteps in our career and in our personal life. And each of these really enhance the total profile of our leadership and come from one-to-one and team coaching. You know, I always enjoy the opportunity to talk to you. I always, I always learn something. You always have great stories. And today, I literally feel like we had a nice um, psychological workout. It's still early in the day, and we've got that workout knocked out. I guess that means I can go eat a whole box of donuts now. Um. Yeah, and then you probably better hit the gym. Or I could just call you back and we could chat this afternoon about all the donuts that I ate. (laughs) Well, I'd enjoy that, and I might uh, have to join you with one then. Well, today it's been my pleasure, as always, to have another Convex conversation with Jackie Warblow, the CEO and head coach at Convex Leadership. Jackie, thank you so much for taking the time today. I always feel smarter after I talk to you. Well, you're so welcome, Sean, and I always enjoy our chats. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.